Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of UCR's Counseling and Psychological Services. I'm joined by my co-host, Child and Adolescent Psychiatry Fellow, Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hi, Dr. Parks. Second year psychiatry resident, Dr. Joshua Poole. Hi, Joshua. How you doing, Dr. Parks? And we're joined by our special co-host, Dr. Saloni Singh. She's a second-year resident physician training in psychiatry at UC Riverside. She completed her undergraduate and medical education at the University of Texas. Hi, Saloni. Hi, Dr. Parks. Thank you. The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent UCR, UCR Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR's School of Medicine. On today's show, the Christmas show, we are at the home of Dr. Joshua Poole. Thank you, Joshua, for inviting us to your home. This is a wonderful home, and thank you. We're here in front of this roaring fire. You're welcome. I'm glad you guys could make it. I'm trying to make the fire louder so that we get out. So that this fireside chat makes sense. (laughs) So the the listeners can get the full experience. I appreciate that. And thank you also also for giving us wassail. You've. Wassail. (laughs) are you just saying that that's i I don't know we looked it up one time and i was even embarrassed about mispronouncing it so So i I think it's with sale i think it's so does the song does the song mispronounce it here here we go with sailing that doesn't sound right what what song is that here we go a was here we go wassailing a wassailing along don't tell me you guys don't know that i think you made that up okay all right (laughs) listeners you know you can back me up on this but uh but it's it's really good i just put it together i didn't expect i really appreciate it i'm glad you guys like it so this is we're, we've we've come together at Joshua at, at Doctor Poole's house because we're this is our special Christmas show and we're going to talk about a lot of different things. We've got a lot of show to get to. I just want to kind of ask you like, what is your favorite Christmas memory and why? Who wants to begin with? Uh, we we have our um, uh, our producer Elliot Fong. Elliot Elliot, you're going to jump in anytime that you want to. Sounds great. You can you can tell us about your your favorite Christmas memory because this, this is an open question. What what is your favorite Christmas? We're gonna talk about Santa Claus. We're gonna talk about the myths. We're gonna talk about gift giving. Uh, we've got a couple other things. But does anyone want to say what what is their favorite? Or or it could be a Christmas nightmare because that's also a psychological thing. So and why does anyone have any favorite? Um, I'll just say that like every year my family and I would go to uh, Bend, Oregon where my great aunt and great uncle live and they have a house up there. They would have like a Christmas tree and everything and it would always be snowy and that's where we would celebrate Christmas. It was a long drive, but it was beautiful up there and we would, you know, enjoy the snow and then there would be deer that would come by in the backyard in the mornings and quail and my great aunt would feed them. It was awesome. Those are a lot of great memories. That's probably what made it special for you. Yeah. Did you, now how old were you when you first went down there? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how old I was, but it was for many years. Growing up. Did you believe in Santa at the time? You know, honestly, I don't know. Maybe. How much did your parents push the Santa Claus myth? <laughs> not very hard. I'm Buddhist, so not very hard at all. <laughs> did you think the people that believe in Santa were dumb? Because they, why did you believe in that goofy fat red guy? No, I think that it was fun. I mean, I was really into like Disney movies and stuff, so I think like the whole fantasy thing is really fun. Uh, what 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 what? Uh, my parents pushed it, my, not not a lot, not a crazy amount, 
but my 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 parents definitely push it. Did everyone else have this uh, Santa Claus myth experience growing up? What did they think about it? Was it good? Was it bad? Did they like it? They not like it? Uh, I don't I don't think it was pushed basically at all. It was kind of very tongue in cheek. Like at my mom's house, we would get presents from baby jesus and bell dog which was our dog did baby jesus wrap those presents and the dog and like you know sometimes they would be from fur which is the we what we call my little brother his name's christopher and he would be like he'd be like one or two yeah it's weird that we would put them all on the same plane like baby jesus santa bell dog fur like i don't think there was any rhyme or reason to it wait what was your favorite present from the dog Oh, I don't remember. I, it's I good no that your idea. your dog probably knew your taste, though. He he didn't give you like like we, a really good chew toy or. A we gave the dog gifts, though. Who gave better gifts, Santa or the dog? Baby Jesus, but for unrelated reasons. <laughs> so I, that doesn't sound like Santa played a prominent. Not a role, not a very yeah. prominent. But you know, we we had kind of a a stranger upbringing. Like there was no illusion about sex education from the earliest I can remember. There was no dancing around it. It was like sperm egg. This is how it works. We had like picture books about it. So there mm. was not a lot of. Oh that's a very liberal. We've taken a turn. We, we weren't that liberal, but my mom was not into, you know. Hiding it. She was not into deceiving us with things. She wanted to be very upfront about it. So she stuff. didn't really push, definitely didn't push the Santa Claus no, with you. No. Saloni, did you grow up believing in Santa? No. So I was raised Hindu and I oh. moved to the States when I was almost seven so by the time I was actually exposed to the Santa tradition, I was a little Done. too old to yeah. believe it. Um, I don't know if my little sister did, though, because she was only four. So she might have. But it definitely wasn't pushed for the same reasons that Tosha, you know, because my parents didn't necessarily buy into it. Go ahead. No, Dr. Parks, are you looking for an answer that someone is saying that, yes, I do believe in Santa? <laughs> I want to see that if, if my upbringing was normal or abnormal, because I've definitely, my parents pushed it. Definitely, I believed in Santa growing up. And, but so I've, how old? Probably around seven or eight. Yeah, probably around seven or eight. I, I specifically was doubting it um, around first grade, and then I just, I saw my dad putting the presents under the tree, and that oh, basically crushed it. But I went along with it. That... Christmas because I knew that they got a kick out of it. So you were like opening the gift, like holding back tears. For sure, I was like, uh, no, no, it wasn't a bad thing. I, I, I like the, uh, the, the, the thing of Santa, the, the, the myth of Santa, and I, I thought it was fine. But yeah, I did kind of go along with it for my parents' sake. So were you shattered when you find found that out? Mm, or you were a already little kind bit of disappointed. I have to say, a little bit disappointed. Yeah, a little bit. I was like, oh, okay, so that's. Can I ask just like um, a question about your faith to like it, the shattering the myth surrounding Santa? Did that also spur like shatter, like shattering your belief? In That's a very interesting question because, you know, I've done some research on this, that the number one reason that parents don't push Santa is that they think it detracts from the actual reason, the reason for the season thing, the, you know, baby Jesus and all that. I think that I think that was the number one reason it was by, by a third of I parents. I should clarify, we, we weren't that religious. It was almost churlish. It was kind of tongue in cheek, like yeah. you were saying. That sounds fun. Like, that's why it was baby Jesus. Yeah, baby Jesus had to good like rapping ability year old at that age. Post-crucifixion Jesus. Yeah. You know, <laughs> immortal, immortal Jesus. It was baby Jesus, you know, it's no, approachable. I'm, 
That's a, and the, the gifts a, were given to that one. You know the bait. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> the, 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 the the intersection with religion and, and Christmas is interesting because I know that my Jehovah Witness friends did not get Santa and Christmas, and I, you know, I, 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 you know, listeners can correct me, but I feel like they are kind of resentful of Christmas a little bit when everyone's celebrating and they don't get to celebrate, and I, you know, I guess that's one of the reasons that I'm not so. I don't feel so bad about the Christmas myth being pushed because I felt it kind of added to the fun when I was a kid. And, it, you know, so I'm just going to say that it did, it, according to research, there was a couple studies that showed that, yes, kids stopped believing it around age seven. Does that seem younger or older about, the, about right, about when you would normally kind of know that there is no Santa? But that's what I think because that's when I came to the States and I just already didn't believe it. You know, it just didn't seem realistic at all. But on, as an aside on deception, like we're talking about deceiving your kids and how Joshua's family tried not to do that. When I was little, there were other things, I guess, like, you know, that I felt I was deceived about, similar to sex education, you know, that I was told some other stuff um, about it, you know, like birds and bees type stuff. And when I found out the truth, as I, this happened, for, like, you know, um, repeatedly over time with multiple myths, at one point I was wondering, what else are adults hiding mm. from us? Yes. At one point I wondered if... <laughs> This sounds really silly. I wondered if humans had like some other power that I didn't know about or something. Like, can we actually read minds Psychic that adults power. haven't told no, us? No, I, I was going to say that. No, you I really. That. Yeah. I mean, this is when no. I was very young, but you know, when you have all these, yeah, these myths are like repeatedly shattered and then you wonder what's real. You know, and the. And, the, and then Saloni became an anarchist. Are you an anarchist? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Well, you know, lying about sex or myths about sex and stuff like that has actual real consequences, I feel. But this, yeah. the, the Santa Claus thing is just kind of fun. I mean, it actually, again, I'm going to refer back to the study. The more parents encouraged the myth of Santa, the less distressed the child was when finding out. Does that seem counterintuitive? The yeah. more the, the parents were into it, the less distressed the kids were. Yeah, that is yeah. weird. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. But also, they found that the kids... 50, over half, like 58% said that they continued to act like Santa Claus was real because they wanted to make it fun for the, the parents. And then 71% of children said that they should teach Santa to little kids, that they, they are going to teach their kids about Santa when they're, when they're parents. I'm, I'm torn on this one because I like have classically hated Christmas. I really did not like it growing From up. From the very beginning? From the very beginning as far what as was I can the remember. Reason? It's hard to sort out, but it, some, there was some kind of anxiety there. I don't really know, but I think as I'm getting older, I'm seeing the value of the ritual of it. And even if you're like, we're telling kids, you know, Santa, you know, exists. I, I think it's an important framework for people to start off with. And then you can, you can build more sophisticated frameworks. Like we don't start off people with particle physics or whatever. We teach them, you know, more accessible stuff. Definitely. I think like the joy about, holiday the holiday season has a lot to do with celebrating traditions and traditions just as a whole are comforting for right. humankind they anchor a lot of our self-identity mm -hmm. so i don't know and our and our culture right um do you, do you get any anxiety over giving gifts because uh and do you do you prefer to give gifts or get gifts to receive gifts what is, do you have a preference or is it all kind of 
do 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 you ever like have a lot of angst and and just like wrestle with oh what am I gonna get for some people my lord or they gave me something now I have to give them something I'm making it really miserable I'm setting you up so I want I want Sloane to answer answer this question so I actually love giving gifts I find it really fun to try you must be really good at it though that's what I think I mean I hope (laughs) or my friends and my family are really good at faking that they like it but um, you but no, I really enjoy it because I like being able to think of the person and what's important to them. Sometimes it's, you know, what's important to our relationship. And I only, I'm only enjoying giving gifts to people that I really know well, of course. But I really enjoy that. Sometimes getting gifts can provoke a little anxiety in me because, you know, especially if you're opening the gift in front <laughs> of the person that's giving mm, it to you, you know, yeah. you, well, I always wonder, do I have to fake you know, excitement or liking this gift? So um, I I enjoy both. I enjoy receiving gifts and I enjoy giving gifts. Um, I wanted to ask you though, Saloni, like, do you have a strategy to get gifts? Because like some people like to focus on, you know, an activity. They want to get in like an activity-based gift for their friend or their parent or something. Or people want to get them something completely superfluous or something practical. Like I, my bout of holiday shopping has been very practical and I feel a little bit like a mom buying these gifts I got one friend a squatty body and another friend I got like a a, (laughs) yeah as an aside those hit yeah exactly he has one and it's just gonna be like a nicer looking one because he's into interior design so it's gonna you know it's not gonna be like this white plastic squatty potty it's gonna be this like wood squatty potty and then i got my other friend like a um a, a phone carrier for her car so that she can drive more safely and then my other friend i got like a a a vegetable planting kit and then plus tea specifically for bloating so (laughs) you're watching out for her (laughs) yeah actually i didn't realize that there was a theme to my gifts until like someone pointed it out to me there's a gastrointestinal theme in your gift giving i don't safety like health and safety safe how is the squatty potty safety it's health health related so, I, I Do you guess know how many bloating it. deaths there are here, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Parks? It's an untold epidemic, okay? <laughs> I, okay, well, to answer the question, Sloane, do you have strategies? Because No, that would be good for me because, yeah, sometimes I, I have difficulty giving gifts. So I, I'm going to sound like a crazy person, I think, but <laughs> usually I, I think about it sort of all you know, if I come across something and I think it'll be a good gift for my Mm. friend or my family member, I will pencil that away, buy it, whatever I need to do, even if it's months before Christmas. So that's kind of what I do. I definitely do give practical gifts as well, but mainly to my parents because, well, for a long time, it was their own money that I was spending on the gift. So, you know, I didn't really want to give them something superfluous. I wanted to give them something they liked. But I think with like people that are my own age, that are more into that type of thing, I give them more superfluous gifts related to their interests i like the fact that you gave your parents gifts all throughout when you were a kid and because i feel that that's kind of going yeah that's going away i think i did that but i think it's going away it's really hard to shop for people who have you know whatever they need i think what we did is um we had to get a gift for everybody and like in my household there was like 11 people sometimes and we would just go to big lots and we had my mom would give us like 20 bucks or something that's, and we all that's get a, kind of what we did too you get everybody a small thing mm-hmm. oh, like no right okay now do you yeah. think that i'm just going to po- pose this question to everyone do you think there's a difference in the time uh, the gifts that are given by 
men and women. Do you think this is a different? But before I let you answer that difference, that gender difference, I'm going to say that you're listening to Let's Get Psyched, listeners. Uh, and we're talking about Christmas. And we're talking about gift giving, the myth of Santa Claus. And I just posed a question. Is there a difference in why, just in general, not necessarily at holiday time, but it can be at holiday time too, because it's true then too. Is there a general difference between the reasons why men give gifts and women give gifts, just in general? Do you feel like there is a difference there? Anyone? But isn't gender fluid? <laughs> <laughs> yes, for a few people. I, I think for some people it, ca it can be. It's not completely fluid, but yes, for, for, for some. But I, oh, uh, does no one want to offer? Again, I think it's like less about gender differences and more just like what type of gift giver are you? Like another category would be um, memories. Like you get something because you want to remember this part of your relationship or a fun time you had together or people who like to make things for other people like crafts or like woodworking things. That is a good theme. To, to have and that that could be something that I can I can tuck away in the future but the answer Tosha <laughs> based on science according to science from a 2012 article from the Journal of Social Evolutionary and Culture Psychology no idea I, anything that you guys said I would just say was wrong um, that men typically give up a much more than women escalation gifts escalation for sex escalation to date Yes, women much more than men give di uh, gifts to maintain relationships, to uh, 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 kind of uh, uh, signs of their established friendship, that kind of thing. Do you, do you feel like that's true after I told you the answer? We'll leave that to the men. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't buy it, but you know, science, so. I don't know. Well, Science is, is not always infallible. I don't know. It's like, what was the effect size? Who did they do this on? Was it, it was just one study. Oh, okay. No, you're right. You're right. It was just one study. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I learned about, about it. God, what in like gender identity class or some, some, some sort of class I took in college. I don't even remember now, God. Um, and it was about a study that was done looking at little boys and girls and like kindergarten age or something. And like the way that girls related to each other was in sharing things in common and the way boys related to each other was by one upping each other. Mm. And so that kind of sounds like this gift giving thing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, you know, um, I think men can be more competitive. Um, they're actually, ooh. okay, so now I want to ask if you've heard this. So a way to determine one marker of the higher testosterone to estrogen levels prenatal for men is the relative size of the index finger to the ring finger. So if the index finger is shorter than the ring finger, then that there was there was greater percentage of testosterone to estrogen. <laughs> I think I think for for Joshua and I our in our index fingers are shorter than our ring fingers, so that could. But now I don't know the amount. I don't know the amount of like. See, how, this is so interesting to me because I have never been. I know I've never heard that. 
What now? As masculine. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And it doesn't... That's never something people have been like, oh, that's yeah. a manly man. No, I, I agree with you because they this said... This beard is a facade. It must be really short. The index finger <laughs> must be really short because I noticed that yours is shorter. I mean, you shorter. have to have a quarter length index finger for it to make a difference, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I mean, because if you if you did have that marker, uh, then you had higher levels of mating confidence that um, you were more dominant, more aggressive, more athletic, higher sex drive, more sexual partners and more num- a greater number of offspring offspring yeah <laughs> overall so like my general- progeny <laughs> <laughs> i was a very fecund male <laughs> uh well okay but so okay so do, do you do you feel that this is not true then that uh, I, I, I don't know it's probably very culturally informed like i was raised with a lot of sisters so the whole sharing thing probably was more of an influence than like a one-upmanship kind of thing Whereas the male influences in my life were paternal, so I wasn't in direct competition. The reason why is that that can influence your gift giving also. Yeah. Um, but okay, I, but I'm just going to blow your mind just one little thing about the, the gift giving. Okay, so um, women in their cycle, it did determine gift giving. Okay, according to this, according to this Journal of Business Research. I told you I'm going to blow your mind with this, this science. This is a 2018 article. It said women in the luteal phase of their menstrual cycle were more likely to give to charities, more pro-social activity. And the, the speculation is that... Wait, is that when the oxytocin is highest? I, you tell me. It's in, during the luteal phase. So is they're preparing for pregnancy. So uh, do you... F- yeah. yeah, yeah, the most uh, uh, fertile uh, um, um, phase, they, they, the, the, the gift giving was different. Um, in the follicular phase, there was more mm. um, romantic gifts or, or or gifts that had to do with uh, appearance. Interesting. I wonder if that, if the luteal fr- phase is when you're most fertile or right before you could conceive, I wonder, I mean, that kind of makes evolutionary sense to do more pro-social behavior right before you're about to get pregnant and need a lot of support. I mean, I, yeah, that makes sense to me. But I'm not a woman. I guess I couldn't comment. It's hard to say. Again, it's just one. But did, did, but that kind of brings up this idea that, you know, if you have club cards and if you had to do a lot of shopping on Amazon, um, they know your buying habits. So they know when you're pregnant, if you have a baby, they know your cycle. So they can target these ads, <gasps> these charitable ads, gift-giving ads. They can. I mean, who, 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 is in, who is naive enough to not know that? Do you, it, doesn't that make sense? I know, I, I heard, I saw this report already that Target knows exactly when you have your kid. You buy diapers and you buy why baby wipes. And so they, they absolutely target tons of things like cribs and stuff. You're freaking me out. Is that, yeah, I know. So what do you, you better, you better. I think we should start doing like stochastic buying, like random, really disorganized <laughs> Just to throw them off. The, <laughs> just to throw them off. So I don't have to it's see not, ads It's not anymore. getting off the grid. It's, it's messing with their it's minds. It's messing with the grid, ruining the formula. That's right. That's, that's where I want to be. That, that is like, I'll buy baby wipes chaos. and a blender. That's like the Joker's <laughs> answer. To, I guess that's uh, kind of dark. I didn't, I didn't really draw a connection between those two. I'm passing the mic. <laughs> something up yes, okay I, I i heard about this just recently and i wanted to know if you guys know what cuffing season is is it a sex thing uh, i mean it's related to romance is it is it something that um one partner does to another partner or is it a no, thing they do together no. it's a thing you do together hmm <laughs> is it 
So think about the season part of it. It's seasonal. Is it a seasonal? That's why. Yeah. Yeah. It it's associated with this time of year. So you know what it is, Salone. Yeah, Tosha and I talked about oh. this before <laughs> the show. You coordinated your uh, topics before the show. Uh, I, I give up. I don't know. So apparently it's this phenomenon where like when we are approaching fall and winter, um, single people hook up, start dating monogamously just to have like a, you know, a honey over a the... A cuddle buddy. Yeah. Someone to make it through the holidays with. I was thinking it had something to do with spooning. I mean, it kind of <laughs> does, right? Yeah, it does. But well, where does the word where does the word cuffing come? Is it is it a thing where you arrange it, or is it is it a, is it a, a an action that you do? I don't know. Yeah, handcuffing. I don't. I don't know. I think it's it like comes. symbolic, like you're cuffing together. You know, yes. like you're joining together. Yes, joining together to, to be an item. Okay, but but is well, it a? I don't know. I don't know. Is it a real thing or is it? A, I, I think like in a lot of snowier places, you can't really go out. You know, you so you have a, a a partner, so you can like watch movies with and eat breakfast with, and but it's kind of like a not a total relationship thing. It's kind of like a friends with benefits kind of thing. Oh, I see. Okay, well, it's uh, so this is a thing. Well, that that's why we rely on you all to. But, but but it's the the definition is loose, so you know. So there's you've heard it, Elliot. You've heard of how, how, tell me tell me how you would say how it would be in conversation. Like how would you work that in? Like how would it be brought up in conversation? Like hey, you want to do some cuffing after work? You know, uh, <laughs> I only know this from the internet, and I don't really know people who actually do this. I think because we live in Southern California. Every season is a little bit like a summer. This that, that brings up a question for me because like you can have a spring fling, you can have a summer romance. I imagine yeah, a fall winter totally. thing. I'm thinking we're just justifying having relationships <laughs> all throughout the year, <laughs> and then coming point. up with stuff to support it. That's a good. Do point. you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean in Southern California, I guess it makes zero difference since everything is just summer thing, or like fire people, season. People just want yeah. People want to. Uh, to be with someone over the holidays Some, sometimes the holidays can be very lonely like okay this other article that i read was about this supposedly uh, alleged grandma posting uh on craigslist about wanting to be with a family over christmas and celebrate she was like i'll even cook for you and like bring gifts for your kids and what was the reaction on twitter or like wh where did she post this? Like what what social media platform did she post this? It wasn't social media. It was Craigslist. But um, she got responses from people, and they were kind of mean, I guess, um, like accusing her of of being fake and stuff. So I guess it was deleted a little bit later. But then other there was a backlash to that, and then people were like, "Oh yeah, you can come over for Christmas." I guess that would be really uh, weird and uncomfortable and awkward to have a, a stranger act like your grandma. I don't, but I guess some people like that, I guess. I mean, that reminds me of another story I actually read recently where some, I guess he was a teenager. He accidentally showed up to the wrong house for Thanksgiving a few years ago. And then he just stayed and with that family that was having Thanksgiving because he showed up at the wrong house. And they enjoyed it so much that they made it a tradition where this Wait, unrelated teenager. No, no, no. Wasn't it like the grandma sent a text message to the teenager? Yeah. And was like, hey, are you coming for Thanksgiving? But it was and a mistake. Was like, Who is that? Who are you? And she was like, I'm grandma. Right. But then they ended up liking each other's company and yeah, just being no, together. It and now it's a year, cute yeah, Christmas yeah. tradition. So there, yeah, that that could be something. So that that is definitely a modern day 
uh, kind of thing where we're uh, creating these <laughs> through through social media platforms through Craig, Craigslist or through accidental texting. What uh, now has has anyone ever had like a, a really terrible the, the, a, a Christmas experience where they felt really lonely and they felt like they they wanted to reach out and they they might have done something like that like gone to social media or gone gone to a stranger or kind of reached out in kind of a broad way. Has anyone had such a experience? Nope. No. <laughs> But you can understand. Can you understand it? Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. That sounded like you were actually covering covering something nope. up, uh, Joshua. Uh, does it sound like me at all? <laughs> Very well liked. Uh, make uh, <laughs> Speak from your People pain, Josh. My wassail. Speak. <laughs> it is good. It is good wassail. <laughs> Extremely, you should see where Let's my look at your finger, finger and my index That could be how you lead it with it. They're equal. On your social media, say, you can talk about your how your index finger is a lot shorter than your ring finger. Right. Well, no, they'd be the same because then I'm like less aggressive, right? Is oh, that, okay. What is that what that means? All my fingers are the same. I'm a block. <laughs> then you're Please not, come over to my house and have whistle. You're not dominant. You're not aggressive then. That's, a, that's no, what I, that means. I share my, my beverages freely. Well, okay. All right. So we're, we're heading into Christmas. What is your wish for this Christmas season? For this, does anyone? <laughs> I, I, I Well, then I'm going to just say it for everybody. I, I feel I want to spend it with my, the people that are much, very close to me. And I'm in much love, my family, my friends. I want to have um, a special magical experience like I did when I was a kid. And I guess you guys didn't because uh, you didn't believe in Santa that much. <laughs> but I did. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to be enjoying um, uh, pushing the myth to my grandkids. I have grandkids that believe in Santa. That's going to be wonderful to see their uh, happy little faces on uh, Christmas Day. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Let's Get Psyched. Today we discussed... Christmas myths, gift giving, and cuffing. Thank you, uh, Tosha. Thank you to our co-hosts, Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi, Dr. Joshua Poole, and Dr. Saloni Singh. Thank you very much, our special co uh, guest co-host. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Fong. We recorded the show in the house of Dr. Joshua Poole. Thank you, Joshua, for letting us do that. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, you can write to us at getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. I've been your host, psychologist, Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched. <laughs>